Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism in the Catholic Church, in one year. Today is day 94, and we begin with 689. The one whom the Father has sent into our hearts, the Spirit of his Son, is truly God. Consubstantial with the Father and the Son, the Spirit is inseparable from them, in both the inner life of the Trinity and his gift of love for the world. In adoring the Holy Trinity, life-giving, consubstantial, and indivisible, the Church's faith also professes the distinction of persons. When the Father sends his word, he always sends his breath. In their joint mission, the Son and the Holy Spirit are, dis- are distinct but inseparable. To be sure, it is Christ who is seen, the visible image of the invisible God, but it is the Spirit who reveals him. Jesus is Christ, anointed, because the Spirit is his anointing, and everything that occurs from the Incarnation on derives from his fullness. When Christ is finally glorified, he can in turn send the Spirit from his place with the Father to those who believe in him. He communicates to them his glory, that is, the Holy Spirit who glorifies him. From that time on, this joint mission will be manifested in the children adopted by the Father in the body of his Son. The mission of the Spirit of adoption is to unite them to Christ and make them live in him. The notion of anointing suggests that there is no distance between the Son and the Spirit. Indeed, just as between the surface of the body and the anointing with oil, neither reason nor sensation recognizes any intermediary. So the contact of the Son with the Spirit is immediate, so that anyone who would make contact with the Son by faith must first encounter the oil by contact. In fact, there is no part that is not covered by the Holy Spirit. That is what... That is why the confession of the Son's Lordship is made in the Holy Spirit by those who receive him, the Spirit coming from all sides to those who approach the Son in faith. Holy Spirit is the proper name of of the one whom we adore and glorify with the Father and the Son. The Church has received this name from the Lord and professes it in the baptism of her new children. The term Spirit translates the Hebrew word ruah, which in its primary sense, means breath, air, wind. Jesus indeed uses the sensory image of the wind to suggest to Nicodemus the transcendent newness of him who is personally God's breath, the divine spirit. On the other hand, spirit and holy are divine attributes common to the three divine persons. By joining the two terms, scripture, liturgy, and theological language designate the inexpressible person of the Holy Spirit without any possible equivocation, and other uses of the term spirit and holy. When he proclaims and promises the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls him the paraclete, literally, he who is called to one side, advocatus. Paraclete is commonly translated by consoler, and Jesus is the first consoler. The Lord also called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. Besides the proper name of Holy Spirit, which is most frequently used in the Acts of the Apostles and in the Epistles, we also find in St. Paul the titles, the Spirit of the Promise, the Spirit of Adoption, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of God, and in St. Peter, the Spirit of Glory. Father. Thanks, Bill. You know, um, it's important to remember always whenever we talk about any of the divine persons that we're always attributing something to a person, but they always work together, right? That when we talk about 
each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, they don't they don't ever conflict, right? There's, it's not like we say, oh, the Spirit does this, um, but you know, the Son would have done this. No, that's not how it works. Like they always move together. So the, the Catechism makes that very clear that the 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 Spirit that you know Christ is talking about uh, throughout his mission, yeah, mission and ministry, is is the same as the the one that the Spirit will do. So what Christ does, the Spirit does. What the Spirit is doing in the church is what is one for us because of what Christ has done. But this is not a this shouldn't be as confusing as it kind of comes out sometimes is that, um, but for us, it helps us to say, well, the spirit moved me to do this. Well, yeah, we can say that because that makes the most sense because in our, in our minds and our imagination, Christ is the image of the invisible God, as Paul says. And so when we don't see something that tells us to do something, we, we attribute to the spirit. And, um, so we call it, and we call him the Holy spirit and rightly so. And the catechism, it makes sure that we know, this uh, the the purpose of or the the strength of this name of combining uh, these two words in which uh, which have always been descri- you know, descriptive of God holy and spirit right something that is greater than anything on this earth and set aside from what we tr- normally know but why we should look to these other terms a little bit I think at least worth kind of reflecting on what are these other titles and one of the primary titles that we don't usually call him, uh, but should probably, is the one that comes out of the divine praises, right? So that prayer that is frequently said in the rite of benediction, um, in which, you know, we've gone through, uh, you know, blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, and then we talk about all that Jesus has done, and then there's just one quick mention of the Holy Spirit, and it says the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, um, which would basically be our advocate, our one who calls us to himself, right? Um, that, that this is part of this is probably the primary purpose, not purpose, that's the wrong word, but primary um, motivation of why we invoke him so much is because our call is to out to him isn't so that we can do what we want. Right? I think that's something that we lose a little bit in prayer is that when we invoke the Holy Spirit, we're asking him to draw us back to himself. Uh, when we are asking for God's help, we shouldn't be asking for our will to be done. Right? That's not how Christ taught us to pray. We're call- Whenever we pray to him, we're asking for his will to be done. Um, and the spirit does that most perfectly, right? It probably, you know, the spirit in, enlightens our mind to, to the will of God and it enlightens our, our ability to understand the faith. There's a reason why whenever we celebrate the sacraments, uh, we confess our faith in one way or another, right? That we always are having this, you know, return to how important that reality is, that reality of turning back to him, turning back to, uh, to, to God and being called back to him because we, we do stray, but the spirit moves us back. It, it is a purifying fire and, and, and rightly so that's why, why the flame comes down. Um, but it is also the spirit that moves us and unites us to him. That's why Paul is able to refer to the spirit as the spirit of adoption. That's why he returns to the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of Jesus. Right. And it's why Peter calls him the spirit of glory because what the spirit does for us is unites our weak nature to the perfect divine nature and brings us from this world into glory, brings us out of uh, the mundane, the normal, and and brings even the smallest act of charity up to the great glory of God the Father. That this is why these titles are good to kind of take a moment to reflect on, uh, to be able to say, what is exactly the Spirit doing in my life?